0: All right. Well, we find ourselves there in Isaiah 46. We've been preaching through the book of Isaiah on Sunday nights, and we're not doing a verse-by-verse study of Isaiah. We're just kind of taking one week at a time, and this is now our 46th week in the book of Isaiah. Can you believe that? And uh, we're, we're uh, getting close to the end now, and as we've been going through, especially the last several weeks through the book of Isaiah, we've been learning a lot about idols, and we've been, he's been teaching us a lot about idols, and he continues this thought about idols, and in this... Chapter, he talks a lot about the idol's inability or the inability, uh, uh, the, the things that idols cannot do. And I want you to look at verse number one. Notice what he says. He says, Bell boweth down. Nebo stupid, their idols were upon the beast and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaded, they are a burden to the weary beast. Now, here's, here's what I want you to understand before we really get into it. He is naming two of the prominent false gods of the nation of Babylon. Because remember, uh, Babylon is coming to uh, capture them, to destroy them, to fight against them. And they are actually worshiping the gods of Babylon. And he is saying to them that Bel, Bel is one of the most prominent gods that the Babylonians had. He says, Bel boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beast and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaded, and they are burdened uh, to a weary beast. Look at verse 2, they stoop. They bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Here's what he's saying. You are trusting the gods of the Babylonians. And he says, when the Babylonians come and take you into captivity, they're going to take your idols into captivity with you. Those idols are going to be carried away with you into captivity. Now, I want you to notice where he says, bow boweth down in verse 1, and Nebo stupid. Just real quickly, uh, go with me to the book of uh daniel just real quickly uh the book of daniel actually you know what i'm sorry let's not go to the book of daniel let's uh let's skip that because i've got other things i want i want to go to actually go to good night where do i want you man i wrote my notes wrong well Here's what I wanted you to see just real quickly. If you remember in the book of Daniel, let let me just mention this to you. We won't turn there. Remember Daniel, Daniel's name, Daniel chapter 1? We were in Daniel this morning. Remember Daniel's name got changed to Belteshazzar? And remember, the king of Babylon is Nebuchadnezzar. Those names are derived from these two gods, Bel and Nebo. But what I want you to notice is in verse 2. Notice what it says. They stoop, they bow down together, they could not deliver. And here's the point that he's trying to make. Here's where I want you to go. Go to Colossians chapter number 3 in the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right, Colossians chapter number 3. What Isaiah is trying to teach them is that you've got these idols, and you are trusting in these idols. And you've replaced the God of the Bible with these idols. And he's saying these, these idols are going to be carried away with you. And the, the contrast is this. Find, find Colossians chapter 3, but go back to Isaiah 46 and look at verse number 3. The contrast is this. He says in verses 1 and 2, he talks about the idols that are going to be carried away. They're going to, when, he says, when you get carried away into captivity, your idols are going to be carried away with you. Now, the, the contrast to that in verse 3, notice what he says. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob. Now we know that this is Isaiah speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. This is God speaking. He says, hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born. Now notice what he says. Which are born. Now the word born means carry. Okay? Meaning like I'm carrying you on my shoulder. He says, which are born by me. From the belly, which are carried from the womb. He says, The day you got you were born, I bore you. He said, I carried you like a child. He said, which are carried from the womb. Look at verse four. And even to your old age, I am he. And even to whore hairs, the word whore means light or gray. He says, When your hair turns light in color, when it turns gray, he says, Will I carry you? I have made and I will bear even. I will carry and will deliver you. Here's what he's saying. You're trusting an idol, and you have forsaken the God of the Bible to follow this idol. And this idol, not only can the idol cannot carry you out of bondage, he says not only can the idol not deliver you out of bondage, he says the idol is going to be carried with you into captivity. And he says the contrast to that is that the God, Jehovah God, who has borne you from... From the womb to the grave. He says, from the day you're born to the day you die. I have carried you, yet you are forsaken me for a God that cannot deliver. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Are you there in Colossians chapter number 3? Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 5, Okay. I want you to understand something about this idea of idols, because we believe idols, and this is true, that an idol is like a statue. it's something made out of wood, something made out of metal, that people bow themselves down to, but you've got to understand this, an idol is anything that takes the place of God, let me prove that to you, Colossians chapter 3, we've seen this verse recently, but let's look at it again, Colossians chapter number 3, and verse number 5, notice what the Bible says, mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concubances, and, I want you to notice this word, covetousness. Now covetousness is when we desire or lust after something. We want something. Now notice what he says. And covetousness which is idolatry. Do you see that? So an idol is not just some image that we bow ourselves down to although that definitely is an idol. But God says that even when you have covetousness in your heart, when there's something you desire like a house or a car or clothing or maybe somebody else's spouse, when there's something that you want in your heart, he says, if that that thing takes the place of God as far as the priority in your life. He says that becomes an idol. Go back to uh, Ezekiel chapter number 14. If you've got the book of Isaiah, you've got Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel chapter 14. An idol is anything that takes the place of God. And an idol does not have to be something tangible. An idol does not have to be something that you can hold, that you can possess. For some people, their children are their idols because they put their children before God. For some people, their spouse is an idol because they put their spouse before God. For some people, sports are an idol or activities or entertainment. Look at Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse number 3. Ezekiel chapter number 14 and verse 3. Notice what he says. Son of man, these men have set up idols, but notice where they set them up. In their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Here's what he's saying. There are people who have set up an idol in their heart. And that goes to prove that an idol does not have to be something that's tangible. Because here's what Americans like to think. We like to think we're sophisticated. We live in the United States of America. We're not buying ourselves down to some idol. We're not buying ourselves down to some statute or some image. But you've got to understand this. An idol is anything that you covet after. It's anything that you've set up in your heart. Is Anything that has taken the place of God in your life. That's what an idol is. And here's what he's teaching us. He's saying the idols, if you go back to Isaiah 46, notice what he says in verse 2. He says, That idol, whatever it is that you have decided that this is my thing, this is going to fill my void. This is the, the thing, you know, this is what I'm going to be about. This is going to give me happiness and contentment. It's going to give me joy. It's going to help me. Here's what you got to understand about that idol and every idol Isaiah 46, verse 2. They stoop, they bow down to Together, here's what I want you to key in on. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. See, you gotta understand this. Whatever it is that you have decided, this is more important to me than God, this is going to fulfill me. This is going to be what I'm about. This is gonna give me joy, contentment, happiness, satisfaction. Whatever that is, it cannot deliver. See, there's people all over our country today, and they're you know, they are they are in drugs. They are just, you know, looking for that next fix. There are people that they just need that next beer and that next bottle of wine they, because they think that drug or they think that alcohol or they think that prescription drug or they think the fornication or the adultery, uh, adultery or the fornication or the entertainment, whatever it is that you've decided, this is my idol, this fulfills me. You got to understand, entertainment cannot deliver you. Eventually, it will fail. Go ahead and get another spouse. Go ahead and get another house. Go ahead and get another car. Go ahead and just go after whatever you think is going to make you happy. But eventually it will fall. It will fail. It will leave you. It cannot deliver. See, people think that, you, you know, if I can just seek entertainment, if I can just take another vacation, if I can just get another, you got to understand, another job will not deliver. A raise will not deliver. The NBA will not deliver. The NFL will not deliver. The NHL, I don't know who watches that, but that won't deliver. Primetime television will not deliver. It's just these things in our lives that we set up as idols and we say, this, finally, this, if I can just get this one thing, I'll be happy. And here's what we can understand they cannot deliver. Your entertainment, your multiplayer games, a better job, it it can't deliver. There's only one thing in our lives that can satisfy and, and fill that void, and it's God, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And He says, you've got these idols. And he said, the idol cannot carry you. The idol cannot bear your burden. See, it's fun to have fun. And it's fun to go to the lake and skip church. It's fun to go out camping. It's 4th of July. I'm going to skip church. I'm going to go do this because it's so much more fun. But here's the thing. It's not going to carry you. Do you understand that? When your marriage falls apart, it won't carry you. When you lose your job, when you lose your health, when you lose your child, when you go through the struggles and the trials and the tribulations and the storms of life, those entertainments, those toys, that money will not carry you. The only thing that will carry you is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he said, he, he said, he said Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because the idols cannot carry. Only God can. So I want you to notice in Isaiah here, Number one, for those of you who like to take notes, the idols cannot carry. But number two, I want you to notice, not only can the idols cannot carry, but the idols cannot compare. Notice verse 5, Isaiah 46 in verse 5. Notice what he says. To whom will you liken me? He says, and make me equal, and compare me, that we may be like. He said, said, who is? Can you, God, speak, he, said, he said, I'm looking at your idol bell here. I'm looking at your idol Nebel here. I'm watching them as they're getting put on this cart and carried away. And you're right there behind them and you're being carried. He says, who can you compare me to? Because Here's what he's saying. The idols cannot carry you and the idols cannot compare to the God of the Bible. You know, today we have this movement in our country that wants to basically classify all religions as the same. You know, who's, who's ever seen those bumper stickers, those coexist bumper stickers? You ever seen those coexist bumper stickers? And here's what they're trying to say. The God of Islam, the God of Judaism, the God of Christianity, the Hindu God, and all these other gods, all religions, basically, they all lead to the same place. We're all worshiping the same God. But here's what God says. Don't compare me to a false God. He says, look at verse 5. To whom will you liken me? He says, who am I like, God says. Who are you going to make me equal to? Who are you going to compare me that we may be like? See, you've got to understand this. Real Christianity believes that there is one way, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. He said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And here's what he said. you cannot. You got to understand this. We do not worship the same God that Islam worships. We do not worship the same God that the Jews worship. They do not worship the same God we worship. The Bible says he that denied that Jesus is the Christ is Antichrist." The Bible says that you cannot worship the Father if you reject the Son. We don't worship the same God. My God's name, my, my Christ's name is Jesus. And, and he says, who are you going to compare me to? He said, who am I like? See, you, you understand. There is no idol that can carry you. And there is no idol that you can compare to God. And I want you to notice something just in this verse. In this verse, it's kind of hidden in there, but I want you just to notice there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a hint in this verse to the Trinity. Look at Isaiah 46 and verse 5. Notice what he says, because it's God speaking. He says, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me. Now notice what he says. To whom will you liken me, singular, and make me, singular, equal, and compare me, singular, that we, plural, may be like. You see that? That's the Trinity. See, we believe in one God in three persons. And he says, me, 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 we, me. (laughs) And you say, well, why would he say that? Because there's three in one. Go to Genesis just real quickly. Genesis chapter one. Let me show it to you. Genesis chapter one. You don't have to turn here. While you go to Genesis, I'll read for you. First John five, seven says this for there are three. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the father, the word and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one is what the Bible says. See, I don't understand that. I don't understand it either. We just accept it by faith. You say, do you believe in one God? We believe there's only one God. Do you believe there's, a, there's a three persons of the God? So, say, well, how is there three? I, I don't understand. It's three in one. It's just what the Bible says. And, and throughout the Bible, God will kick it. He said, hey, it's me, it's me, it's me. Then he says, it's we. Are you there in Genesis chapter 1? Look at verse 26. In Genesis 1, he does it also. Notice Genesis 1, And God said, notice what he says. Let us make man in our image. And after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowls of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And he says, our image. He said, let us make man in our image. And Isaiah, he says, that we may be like, because we believe in the triune God. If you can get back to Isaiah chapter 46. I want you to notice, number one, we saw that the idols cannot carry. The idols cannot deliver you. The idols cannot help you in your time of need. And number two, we saw that the idols cannot compare. Look, we, we do not worship the same God that these other religions worship. You've got to understand this. We do not worship the same God that the Mormons worship. It's a different God. They, they, their God was a man that became a God of this universe, but there's gods all over, you know, other universe. That's not the same God that we serve. We serve. There is one God. That's it. In three persons, What one God. He says there's none else. He says there's never been one before me. There will never be one after me. And you've got to understand this this idea that we all worship the same God, and we're all kind of headed down the same road, and all roads lead to heaven. It's just not a biblical principle. You cannot compare idols to God. So number one, idols cannot carry. Number two, idols cannot compare. Number three, I'd like you to notice in Isaiah 46 and verse 6, idols cannot counsel. Notice what he says, Isaiah 46, look at verse 6. They lavish gold out of the bag and waste silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith and he maketh it a god. Now notice the god there is a a lowercase g. They fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder. Again, this idea that you're carrying your god. Look, if you've got to carry your god, you don't have much of a god. He says, they they bear him upon the shoulder, they carry him and set him in his place, and he standeth from his place, shall he not be removed, yea, one shall cry unto him. Now here's what I want you to notice, notice this phrase, yet can he not answer, nor save him out of his trouble. Aren't you thankful that we have a God that has given us a word that we can go to and get counsel from God? Aren't you thankful that whenever you've got a problem, whenever you've got a need, whenever you've got a question, you've got the word of God that you can go to and study and read and find the answers of life. But he says, these idols, these idols, not only can they not carry you, not only can they not compare to the God of the Bible, but he says, these idols, they can't even speak. They can't even counsel. They can't even help you. He says, yet uh, can he not answer in verse 7. Now notice verse 8. Notice what he says. Isaiah 46, verse 8. Remember this. And show yourselves men. I like that phrase. Show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, though ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Now notice what he says, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. He says, at the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was was God. He said, I declared. My word and my counsel and my will from the beginning. Verse 10, he says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying. Now notice, remember, the idols cannot speak. The idols cannot answer. The idols cannot counsel. But notice what he says in verse 10. My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He says, says, these idols, they can't help you. But he said, I can help you. He said, these idols, they can't speak, but I speak through my word. These idols cannot counsel you, but I can counsel you. And here's what I love, and I want you to key in on that phrase. My counsel shall stand, is what the Bible says. And we live in a day today where there are, we live in a government that, are, that is creating human laws that go against the word of God and the laws of God. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what laws they make, my counsel shall stand, is what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says, my counsel shall stand, is what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter what laws, what regulations, doesn't matter what they try to do, doesn't matter if they try to stop us, the counsel of God, the Bible says, shall stand. I've got an article that I, I went out to lunch with uh, Brother Al and Ms. Giselle and Brother Carlton and Brother Dan, and they were talking to me about this, This article, and I said, I haven't seen that. And they forwarded it to me. I want to read it to you. Well, actually, he forwarded me another one, but that one led me to this one. I want to read to you. It's from the Daily Signal. And it was written on July 2nd, just a couple days ago. It says, Oregon Labor Commissioner Brad Avakian finalized a preliminary ruling today ordering Aaron and Melissa Klein, the bakers who refused to make a cake for a same-sex wedding, to pay... Get this, $135,000 in emotional damages to the couple that they denied service to. This case is not about a wedding cake or a marriage, Avakian wrote. It is about a business's refusal to serve someone because of their sexual orientation. Under the Oregon law, that is illegal. Is what he said. In the ruling, Avakian placed an effective gag order on the claims. Don't, don't miss this. Ordering them to cease and desist from speaking publicly about not wanting to bake cakes for same-sex weddings based on their Christian beliefs. He, he basically just decided, you're not a, we're going to decide what you are allowed to talk about publicly. He said, you, are, you are not allowed to talk about the fact that you don't want to bake a cake for a sodomite wedding. In January 2014, the agency found the clients unlawfully, uh, I'm sorry, let me, let me, uh, let me finish reading. Uh, this, uh, this is what they, their response, this effectively strips us of our First Amendment rights. The clients, owners of Sweet Cakes by Melissa, uh, which has since closed, wrote on their Facebook page, according to the state of Oregon, we neither have freedom of religion or freedom of speech. In January 2014, the agency found the clients unlawfully discriminated against the couple because of their sexual orientation. In April, uh, McCool uh, recommended they pay 75000 to Rachel and 60000 to Laurel. In order to reach the total amount of 135000 Rachel and Laurel submitted a long list of alleged physical, emotional, and mental damages they claim to have experienced as a result of the client's unlawful conduct. So because they go to a baker and the baker says, I can't bake you a cake, they experience all sorts of physical and emotional and mental damages, so they get $135,000. Now here are the examples of the symptoms included. All right, Acute loss of confidence, doubt, excessive sleep, okay, so you're lazy, And you're going to blame that on the baker. Uh, Felt mentally raped. Felt dirty and shameful. You should feel dirty and shameful. Uh, High blood pressure. Impaired digestion. Loss of appetite. Migraine headaches. Pale and sick at home after work. Resumption of smoking habit. Shock. Stunned. Surprised. Uncertainty. Weight gain. Wait a minute. Didn't you say you had a loss of appetite? (laughs) Worry. I mean, they say we were worried and they wouldn't bake a cake for us because they're Christians and don't want to take part in a sodomite wedding. In their Facebook post, the clients signaled their intention to appeal of Akin's ruling writing, we will not give up this fight and we will not be silenced, already perhaps putting themselves at risk of violating the cease and desist. And here's what you understand. The Supreme Court just this last week legalized sodomite marriages across the states and you gotta understand this. They're gonna come after churches. If they go after a baker who doesn't want to bake a cake for a Sodomite wedding, you better believe they're gonna come after a church who doesn't want to perform a wedding for Sodomites. And and we're gonna to have to just get to the place where we decide. Where do we what do we believe? Does the word of God stand or not? Is it up for debate or not? Is that is this what we believe or not? I mean, you know, uh, to steal, I told Brother Graham, Brother Graham preached a great sermon at the men's preaching. I told him I was going to steal this sermon. But to, 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 you know, to steal this sermon, the answer's got to be, here's what the Bible says. You know, well, what does the Bible say? What, because here's the thing. You, you walked into, you stumbled into an independent, fundamental, Baptist, Bible-believing church. And we don't just say we believe the Bible. We're actually crazy enough to actually believe what it says. So when it says it, we believe it. Let me me just give you an example. Go to Leviticus real real quickly. Leviticus chapter number 18. We've got to get to this place. What do we believe? Does the counsel of God stand? Are we going to stand up for what the Bible says? Sometimes people will ask me, you know, as a pastor, they'll say, well, what what does the Bible say about same-sex marriage? And, you know, my answer to that is I'm not really sure what the Bible says about same-sex marriage. In fact, I don't think the Bible really references same-sex marriage. I'll tell you what the Bible does say. Are you there in Leviticus chapter 18? Look at verse 22. Leviticus 18, verse 22. The Bible says this, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. The Bible says it is an abomination for a man to lie with another man in the same way that he would lie with a woman. You're there in Leviticus 18, 22? Notice what, go, go to chapter 20. Look at verse 13. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. What does the Bible say about same-sex marriage? I'm not really sure what the Bible says about same-sex marriage, but let me show you what the Bible says about sodomy. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 13 says this, If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Now notice what the Bible says. I'm not really sure what the Bible says about same-sex marriage. I don't think the Bible does say anything about same-sex marriage. But here's what the Bible says about sodomites. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. You know, well, what does God think? Here's what God thinks. They shall surely be put to death. You say, well, are you advocating that we go out and kill sodomites? I'm not advocating that at all. That's not our job. But the Bible says that if we lived in a godly government that actually followed what the Bible says, they we wouldn't be talking about whether they should be getting married. Hey, why did the Supreme Court decide to talk about whether they should be executing sodomites? Amen. Whether they should be putting them to death? Because that's what the Bible says. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And you say, well, I don't think you can say that. And I don't think you should stand up there and say... Do do we not have the freedom to say what the Bible says? Amen. Do we not live in a society that supposedly has a First Amendment where we can stand up and you may not like what we say and you may not agree with what you say, but we have the right to stand up and say, here's what the Bible says. Thus saith the Lord God. They shall surely be put to death. Should they, should they get married? I don't know. They shall surely be put to death. Is what God thinks about it. Look, go ahead and let them get married right before you stone them, I guess. I don't know. That's what the Bible says. Go to Romans chapter 1. People say, well, that's the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there, you know, there's a different God in the Old Testament. My Bible says there's only one God. I'm pretty sure the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. But if you want a New Testament verse, let's look at it. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 26. Romans chapter 1, verse 26. We don't need all these verses, but we should just read them. It's, they're fun. Romans 1, 26. Notice what he says. For this cause, God gave them up until... Notice how God describes it. Vile affections. For even their women to change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient. Now I want you to skip down to verse 32. Notice what he says in verse 32. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of what? Now look, people don't like that. I just don't think that you should be saying, look, the Old Testament says put them to death. The New Testament says they're worthy of death. Now look, I'm not saying that it's our job to do it. In fact, it's not our job to do it. It's the government's job. If we lived in a righteous government, they should do it. But the Bible says that they are worthy of death. And here's what you got to understand. The counsel of God stands whether you like it or not, whether Dr. Phil likes it or not, whether Oprah Winfrey likes it or not, whether Barack Obama likes it or not, whether the Supreme Court likes it or not. The word of God stands, is what the Bible says. It doesn't really matter what they think. And you say, well, Pastor Manus, aren't you afraid that the Supreme Court is going to make it illegal for you to speak against the Sodomites? I don't really care what the Supreme Court does. You think I give a rat's tail what the Supreme Court does? They can jump up a bridge. Amen. We are going to preach the Bible. What if they make salt winning illegal? We ought to obey God rather than man. What if they say the King James Bible is, is now illegal? Hey, we're, I'm still going to read it. I'm still going to memorize it. I'm still going to love it. I'm still going to preach it. Why? Because God... Council stands. And at some point as Christians, we've got to decide we're going to stand up and say, enough is enough. We're going to stand up. We're going to speak the truth. Because here's the truth. There are thousands of people in this country that believe exactly what I'm preaching right now. But we're too afraid to say it. And we just say, well, I don't know. I don't want to offend someone. Look, it doesn't matter who we offend. The word of God shall stand. The grass withered, the flower faded, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The words of God are pure words, the Bible says. The law of the Lord is perfect, and society changes, and society goes one way and the other. In season, out of season, our job is to preach the word. And the problem is that the idols that these people have cannot counsel See, the, see the, the idol of, of Hillary Clinton is anti you know, gay marriage when it's popular, and then she's for gay marriage when it's, when it's not popular. I mean, the, the, the idols of this world, they just kind of change with the times. It's kind of, okay, which way are the winds blowing? But see, the God of the Bible does not change. Yesterday, today, and forever, He's the same. So you've just got to decide who's your God? Who are you going to worship? Who are you going to follow? Because the idols of this world cannot carry you, the idols of this world cannot compare to my God, and the idols of this world cannot counsel. But the counsels of our God, they'll stand forever. The word of our God, it'll stand forever. And you just got to decide, and listen to me, as Christians, we need to just decide, we're going to stand up and we're going to say, you know what, no, actually, I don't believe that. I don't agree with that. I don't care what the Supreme Court said. It's filthy. It's wrong. It's an abomination. They're reprobate. And if we lived in a righteous judgment, government, they'd be put to death. And by the way, you know, these pedophiles would be put to death, too. Instead of putting them in therapy, counseling. And and look, at some point, we just got to decide, what do I believe? Do I want to go to a church where I just kind of go to church put my flip-flops on, put my shorts on, grab my Starbucks, worship, feel spiritual, don't really know what the Bible says, never even came close to reading any of it, or do I want to just figure out, what does this book say? And just say, I believe the word of God, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Let's bow our heads